Chapter Fifteen, Book Three, of the Lancashire Witches. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Andy Minter. The Lancashire Witches, A Romance of Pendle Forest, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book Three, Houghton Tower. Chapter Fifteen, Lancaster Castle. Behold the grim and giant fabric, rebuilt and strengthened by Old John of Gaunt, time-honoured Lancaster. Within one of its turrets, called John of Gaunt's chair, and at eventide, stands a lady under the care of a jailer. It is the last sunset she will ever see, the last time she will look upon the beauties of earth, for she is a prisoner, condemned to die an ignominious and terrible death and her execution will take place on the morrow. Leaving her alone within the turret, the jailer locks the door and stands outside it. The lady casts a long, lingering look around. All nature seems so beautiful, so attractive. The sunset upon the broad, watery sands of Morecambe Bay is exquisite in varied tints. The fells of furnace look black and bold, and the windings of the loon are clearly traced out but she casts a wistful glance towards the mountainous ridges of Lancashire, and fancies she can detect among the heights the rounded summit of Pendle Hill. Then her gaze settles upon the grey old town beneath her, and as her glance wanders over it, certain terrible objects arrest it. In the area before the castle she sees a ring of tall stakes. She knows well their purpose, and counts them. They are thirteen in number." Thirteen wretched beings are to be burned on the morrow. Not far from the stakes is an enormous pile of faggots. All is prepared. Fascinated by the sight, she remains gazing at the place of execution for some time, and when she turns, she beholds a tall, dark man standing beside her. At first she thinks it is the jailer, and is about to tell the man she is ready to descend to her cell. Then she recognises him, and recoils in terror. "'I can save thee from the stake, if thou wilt, Alice Nutter,' he said. "'Hence!' she exclaimed. "'Thou temptest me in vain! Hence!' And with a howl of rage the demon disappeared. Conveyed back to the cell, situated within the dread dungeon tower, Alice Nutter passed the whole of that night in prayer. Towards four o'clock, Wearied out, she dropped into a slumber, and when the clergyman, from whom she had received spiritual consolation, came to her cell, he found her still sleeping, but with a sweet smile upon her lips, the first he had ever beheld there. Unwilling to disturb her, he knelt down and prayed by her side. At length the jailer came, and the executioner's aid. The divine then laid his hand upon her shoulder, and she instantly arose. "'I am ready,' she said cheerfully. "'You have had a happy dream, daughter,' he observed. "'A blessed dream, reverend sir,' she replied. "'I thought I saw my children, Richard and Alison, in a fair garden. Oh, how angelic they looked, and they told me I should be with them soon.' "'And I doubt not the vision will be realised,' replied the clergyman. "'Your redemption, if fully worked out, and your salvation, I trust, secured. "'And now 
You must prepare for your last trial.' "'I am fully prepared,' she replied. "'But will you not go to the others?' "'Alas, my dear daughter,' he replied, "'they all, excepting Nance Redfern, refuse my services, and will perish in their iniquities.' "'Then go to her, sir, I entreat of you,' she said. "'She may yet be saved. "'But what of Janet? Is she too to die?' "'No,' replied the divine. "'Being evidence against her relatives, her life is spared.' "'Heaven grant she do no more mischief!' exclaimed Alice Nutter. She then submitted herself to the executioner's assistance, and was led forth. On issuing into the open air a change came over her, and such an exceeding faintness that she had to be supported. She was led towards the stake in this state, but she grew fainter and fainter, and at last fell back in the arms of the men who supported her. Still they carried her on, when the executioner put out his hand to receive her from her aids, she was found to be quite dead. Nevertheless, he tied her to the stake, and her body was consumed. Hundreds of spectators beheld those terrible fires, who exulted in the torments of the miserable sufferers. Their shrieks and blasphemies were terrific, and the place resembled a hell upon earth. Jenny's escaped to the dismay of Master Potts, who feared she would wreak her threatened vengeance upon him. And indeed he did suffer from aches and cramps which he attributed to her, but which were more reasonably supposed to be owing to room caught in the marshes in Pendle Forest. He had, however, the pleasure of assisting at her execution, when some years afterwards retributive justice overtook her. Janet was the last of the Lancashire witches. Ever since then witchcraft has taken a new form with the ladies of the county, though their fascination and spells are as potent as ever. Few can now escape them, few desire to do so, but to all who are afraid of a bright eye and a blooming cheek, and who desire to adhere to a bachelor's condition, to such I should say, beware of the Lancashire witches. End of chapter 15 End of Book 3, and End of The Lancashire Witches, by Harrison Ainsworth. Read for LibriVox, by Andy Minter. Near Tring, Hertfordshire, October 2009.